Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 36. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scout Sam Ehrman. Coming back to you after a week off. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, heading into, what is it, week 13 already? Crazy. This season is flying by. We're two-thirds of the way through the season. Um, we got a lot to discuss today, a lot of uh, injury news. Um, we're going to talk about those injuries and how they are going to affect the offenses that they are in. We're going to talk about the Rams offense. We got the first look at Odell um, with a, you know, a full week coming out of the bye week to integrate into the game plan and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, minus Robert Woods. So we're going to talk about the Rams offense, what you can expect uh, going forward from them. And then we're going to give you some dynasty risers and fallers as we are two thirds of the way through the season. Before we get into it, remember, head on over to ffballallday.com. Check out our content there, but go subscribe on the Patreon, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. We are posting so much content. I believe a waiver wire article just dropped today. So if you need some help for the waiver wire, go check that out on the Patreon and download the Thrive Fantasy app. Uh, they'll match your deposit 100% up to $100 with the code FF Scouts. Thrive Fantasy app. Go check that out. But Sam, let's get into the show. Like I said, uh, lots of injury news to discuss. We're going to start with the big one here and CMC being out for the season, uh, being put on IR. Obviously a huge hit to this offense, but we have seen the Panthers without CMC this season. However, we have not seen the Cam Newton-led uh, Panthers without CMC. So, Sam, I want to throw it to you. Just kind of get your analysis in this offense. Who steps up? It's obviously going to be Chuba Hubbard. I think Amir Abdullah is going to be in the mix. Uh, how do you value those guys? And how does it affect Cam Newton and the and the wide receivers in this offense? Um, well, I think you have to talk about the biggest winner first off, which would be DJ Moore. Um Adam Koffler on Twitter put out a tweet today um, with a full CMC when they had five games. DJ Moore was eight targets, 53 receiving yards. Um, and without CMC, which was the seven games we've had, or the six full, 10 targets, 84 receiving yards. So, I mean, DJ Moore is probably going to be the biggest winner here. Um, he's the best weapon outside of Christian. And when he's not on the field, they got to go to DJ. Um Chuba will get like the first and second down work. I'm sure he'll be okay. He'll be a fine flex piece most weeks. Um, and Amir Abdullah is the clear receiving guy. Um, any passing down situation, Amir Abdullah is on the field. So that really kind of caps the upside that you might have believed you were going to get with Chuba. Um, but I don't think any of this matters if Cam Newton looks like he did again on Sunday. Um, I can't imagine if he plays like that again, he's going to keep the job much longer. Um, I know people on Twitter want to go on there and bitch and complain that he didn't have a job. And the, the reality of it is he cannot throw good enough anymore to be 
a long-time successful NFL quarterback. He's fine for a game or two, and if you need juice, you can't rely on him every week. And I, I don't know how consistent, you know, DJ is going to be. Um, Terrace Marshall looks like a bust. Um, and Cam Newton's bringing some life back to Robbie Anderson. So, I mean, he looks like he might be a viable flex some weeks, but I just don't know how the consistency is going to be. That's the biggest thing. Um, the volume is going to be DJ Moore, one, and then it's probably just spread out everywhere else. Um, I don't know how you combat that. Um, if you're a DJ Moore owner, you're excited. And I think if you have any other pieces in Dynasty on that team, if you're not contending, it probably sell. Um that's just kind of where I'm at with that. I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking them next year. Hopefully it's Deshaun Watson, but I don't know if, you know, Carolina will be able to move Christian McCaffrey anymore. They might be just kind of stuck with him. Yeah. I, I mean, Deshaun Watson is an obvious fix there, but I I don't know that I'm – for the rest of this season, I don't know that I'm either – I'm too interested in either of these running backs because like you said, Amir Abdullah is going to be on the field for third downs, which caps Chuba's value a little bit. And then assuming Cam does keep the job when they do get down near the goal line, obviously he's, you know, that's where he does most of his damage. So if you're Chuba Hubbard and you're not even third down or goal line back, you know, that really caps your value. So I think, you know, these guys each probably max out at like a, a flex play that you probably don't want to play, but if you have to, um, one of them can slide into your flex. Do you think Abdullah has some flex appeal in a PPR league, or are you just – is it just too It's going to be one of those things where, like, it's a desperation play. Right. Um, he's a really dynamic player. Um, he's great in a wheel route. So, I mean, like, you know, he's been – he's shown the flash that – he can take one to the crib. Uh, I don't know how what the volume is going to be like. Um, that's something we'll have to monitor. Um, I mean, we had a small glimpse of it earlier in the season, but Amir has gotten more and more involved. So that's kind of why I like him potentially as a PPR stash. Yeah. I, I just don't think we're going to get to the point where anybody outside of DJ Moore is a safe start. Right. No, I totally agree. This this offense is turning into a little bit of a wasteland. And um, I'm curious on Terrace Marshall, I mean, because he obviously hasn't done anything really, but you, you referred to him as a bust. Is there anything that stood out in his play to you that suggests he's a bust or is it more just the usage or, or lack thereof? Well, I wouldn't – I, I things aren't looking great. I mean, he was a healthy scratch last week for shy right. Smith, the sixth round pick. Um, he looked really good in the preseason, but that was preseason. You know I mean? Like most of those guys he was looking good against are selling car insurance right now. Um, so I guess some guys don't have it. I mean, he's on the straight bus trajectory. I mean, maybe they were like, Hey, we're going to sit you this week, you know, a lot of fire under your ass and see, but it doesn't look good. I mean, the offensive coordinator was his offensive coordinator in college. They drafted him in the second round. They traded up to cock block the Saints. And he's not even like being a healthy, like he's a healthy scratch. That's not a good thing. You know, and typically when it's somebody, I just, there's nothing like that is like, oh, like here we go. Like, like what is there outside of the draft capital and the narrative where he was drafted by his college coach? 
that he's doing anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what has yeah. he done? Like, there's no narrative. There's no, there's nothing. I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to go on with him. And he had that game, I think it was on Thursday night, where he had like four catches and he didn't do anything special. But he looked big, fast, explosive, physical, all of those things that you look for. But then we just didn't hear from him again. It could very well be, you know, the concussions and dinged his confidence and, you know, he shook. Uh, I mean, like that shit happens. I mean, I'm not in the building. I don't know. I don't know how things are going. I don't, you know, I don't, maybe the healthy scratch was, you know, him just mentally like struggling and them like, oh, okay. Like, you know, we're seeing you're still struggling back, coming back from concussion. Was up until the concussion, he looked decent. You know, like he he didn't do a lot, but like you said, he had four catches one game and was starting to like put some games together. And then he got the concussion, was out a couple weeks, and then was like slowly being integrated back in the offense. At least you thought, but then he was just gone. And they don't seem happy with him. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what you can do with him. You know, I've got him on my main league. Um, I got him in the second round, and I. I are you if you have a Terrace Marshall share right now in one of your leagues, what are you doing with him? Are you selling for a third round pick or is he worth holding on at that point? Like are you are you Drew DFB encounter and I argue a lot, but I like his face planner thing. And for the most part it's accurate. Had I listened to it with Brian Edwards, I would have saved myself a lot of fucking time. But Brian Edwards not performing is just Derek Carr hates him, but that's whatever. Um, he looks bad. He looks like he's going straight to face plant. Are you cashing out on Terrace or are you buying? I'm probably on the side of cashing out. Another thing is he's uh, he's the worst player in beating man coverage uh, according to reception perception from Matt Harmon, which is also a big indicator of future success. And I mean, the guy's got the tools. I liked him a lot coming in, but slow starts like this usually just are not a good sign. Like you said, we're not, you know, we're not in the building. We don't know, but it's just usually not a good sign. So I'm on the side of cashing out. That being said, I mean, if you're getting like a late third, I'm probably just hanging on to him. Or, you know, maybe I'm waiting until draft day to see, you know, if there's a guy I want to move up for, maybe I'm giving a third and Marshall to move up for a second round pick. Something like that is is yeah. kind of more what I'd be looking to do. But, yeah, it's it's not looking good. Hmm. No, that's a very interesting way to put it. I like, I like that thought process. That's a good way to go about it. You know, a lot of people are panic selling now. Um and I don't think that's necessarily the right option. You know, he's only, what, 22? Yeah. So it's not like he can't turn things around. And maybe maybe this is just a Brandon Ayuk situation. Brandon Ayuk a couple sure. weeks ago couldn't get on the field. You know, it looked like a bust. Everybody was panic selling. And now he's on the field. I mean, it's very well, you know, right after the bye, Terrace Marshall comes out and is a star. We don't know. But things don't look good. His film doesn't look good. There's, and what little film there is, you know, like is not a good indication. So I don't know. He just seems like he's in a tough spot. He, I don't like where he's trajecting. And I just personally, if you're not going to move and move him for a decent value now, do what Chad said and wait and package him with somebody and go get your guy later. Yeah. I'm not a fan of just 
taking that immediate hit on i mean it's not immediate it's a, it's a year or roughly a year but after you know you probably drafted him in the second round and i'm not a fan of just taking the l on that and taking less value back so if you can find a way to like i said package him on draft day or or somewhere around there to move up i'm, I'm all for something like that um, and maybe there's a narrative, you know, we we hear a lot of like training camp type reports, hype reports. And I mean, we heard it with guys like Arcega Whiteside, right? Like guys like that, that we start to hear some buzz in training camp about a player that's kind of hasn't done anything yet. That might be a time, you know, maybe you wait till then to sell, sell Paris Marshall. But and, and that's all with the assumption that he finishes the year out doing nothing. Right. I mean, if he comes out and has like a two or three good game stretch, you know, okay, all right, you know, slow rookie year, start to figure things out, you know, year two, let's go. But if he finishes the year like this, move on. Yep, exactly. All right, let's talk about, well, Dalvin Cook is the other significant injury. He's expected to only miss about two weeks, so not as significant, obviously, but um, significant in that he's probably on a lot of, rosters that are competing for you know the playoffs right now so um is it just a simple plug and play madison nothing really yeah. changes i don't really think i mean honestly alexander madison's been just as good for fantasy starting this year as dalvin um and if you have dalvin cook and you weren't rostering alexander madison i don't know what to tell you uh, like that is like those two are one of the very few people that go hand in hand in fantasy football Dalvin Cook is a great player, but he's prone to get dinged. That play where he got hurt was such a fluke thing. I mean, he got obliterated getting that handoff. And there's nothing he could have done about that. That offensive line didn't show up for that rep. And Dalvin got shit on because of it. Um, Alexander Madison will be an RB1. Um, You know, I'm I'm personally not too worried because you know when Dalvin misses, Alexander Madison is a great start. And, you know, when Dalvin Cook is on the field, Alexander Madison is a backup. I mean, it is that simple. For the next two weeks, if you have Alexander Madison, you are starting him. It's not that hard. It's not – he's almost looked better in spurts this year than Dalvin Cook did um, when he was starting. Um, The thing with Madison is he's a confidence runner. So when he gets confidence early in the game, he's really good. The games that he started for Dalvin Cook – um, this year, he dropped 23 and 26 um, full PPR. Uh, he can play. He's not a bad football player. And, uh, you know, every summer people are always like, oh, Alexander Madison's better than Delvin. Move him, move him, move him. Don't pay him. That's not necessarily true, but Alexander Madison's a great backup. And if you had Dalvin Cook, you have – you. I mean, you better have had Alexander Madison. Uh, I mean, it's just as simple as that for me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you said – Madison's been as good or better than than Cook when he started. And in those games, we didn't really see anything different from the Vikings. They just they utilized him just as they would Dalvin Cook. So it's not like they have, you know, they're gonna be throwing the ball more or just not, you know, handing it to Madison on, you know, high value situations. Like they're gonna use him as a one for one replacement, as we've seen. Yeah. And the best part about the Dalvin Cook injury. And I know there's not like a, it's not, there's no such thing as like a good injury, but he's going to be back for the playoffs. That's like, you know, he's back. Like, that's the thing is 
they're setting him, you know, to be cautious. It's literally just a dislocated shoulder. It's they said it's a day to day thing, but they're expecting him to miss, you know, the next two weeks just to be sure because the one is a Thursday night game, you know. So that's kind of probably why he's going to miss those two games, and he'll be back um, right when you start the playoffs. Like he's day to day, but they're going to probably sit him the next two games just to be sure um, because you know you had that short week. You'd never want to play on a short week, especially if you're coming off of an injury. Uh, one of the big, like one of the first things I learned about when I got in the NFL is when you are coming off of an injury, very rarely will doctors clear you to play on the Thursday because they want you on that Thursday and Friday to get that extra rehab to make sure you are 110% ready to go instead of 90%. So that's probably why they're talking about holding them back. So until that, to me, says, hey, he's 100% ready for fantasy playoffs. I'm golden with that. And his matchups are the Bears, Rams, Packers. Not great matchups, but he's he produces. So, Yeah, I was looking at the matchups, too. It's it's not great for Cook when he gets back, like you said, but you, you'll take a, a healthy Dobbin Cook coming back. And as far as Madison, they get the Lions this week. So Madison is certainly a plug-and-play RB1, I think, this week. Um, all right. Top five. Um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, real close. I if mean, not, he's right. In I the think range. they're going to pound the lions this weekend. I think the fight, the Vikings are pissed and this is a get right game for them. And I just think that they're going to come out and just beat the brakes off of them. I agree. And I don't think the lions, I mean, the lions were kind of this, it, we love to joke about them, not, you know, being able to win a game, only tie or or lose. They were in some games early this year, but I think they just haven't looked as uh, competitive lately. So um, I just think yeah. they've lost belief in Jared Goff. I think they realize, oh, fuck, this guy stinks. Yep. Like, this guy is unbelievably bad. I think Lions fans are starting to understand, like, oh, Matthew Stafford kept us in games and won us seven or eight games every year. Like – yeah, you always still sucked, but Matt Stafford was good enough that he made games watchable, and you won some. Right. I don't yeah. think the Lions win a game this year. I just don't think Jared Cook – or Jared Cook. Jared, Go- Jared Cook is probably a better quarterback, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think Jared Goff has it. I mean, he he plays like a pussy. I'm sorry. That's just I'm just going to throw it out there. He plays like a bitch. I, you hit him once – and the rest of the game, he panic throws it away all game. For sure. And I, you know. He'll throw the about, ball away on fourth down. Repeatedly. Yeah, right, right. I've noticed that. But also, you, you heard the stories about him with McVeigh. You know, he, he hadn't spoken to McVeigh. He was pretty butthurt about the trade. I mean, there's just something about him. He's just a little soft. And I think you're right. And, you know, the Dan Campbell stuff. They played hard for him early on in the year. I'm not saying they're not now, but just kind of some of that steam has worn off, I think. I don't think it's necessarily the coach steam uh, well, that's worn I, off. I don't either, but, but I but I thought early on they were specifically like, yeah, like let's fight for this guy. I don't think it's like, you know, I don't think they're not playing hard for their coach or that he's lost them, but I think it's a combination of Jared the Jared Goff stuff and just kind of like running right. out of steam a little. Like, you know, like what are we doing here? Like we can't win a game. I feel like they have to take a quarterback. I just – or they have to get one because Jared Goff is not – you cannot continue to – like 
It's it doesn't know. I mean, I didn't think he was going to be this bad. Like I didn't like, you know, I thought some of the stuff McVeigh taught him would translate over, you know, like, sure. He, he spent four years with Sean McVeigh. I thought he would have been at least a, a capable NFL quarterback. Nope. And I mean, the Rams are on a three game losing streak right now and people are wanting to bury them. But I think Sean McVeigh needs to be put in the Hall of Fame right now because he got Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. Right. That's what I was just about to say, too. It's and he can't easy. even – he looks like a CFL quarterback. Yeah, he looks like, – I, Honestly, I've seen some CFL quarterbacks this past year look better than Jared Goff, so I don't even know. Like, he just looks bad. They have no weapons. DeAndre Swift is hurt. And the team has no talent. I mean, they've gutted the team of talent. And I, I just think the Lions are in such a rough spot. Yeah, they are. It'll be interesting to see. We can move off lines in a minute, but with that first pick and no like real elite quarterback prospect, at least you know as of right now, I mean, yeah, they got to build that. They got to build the talent up. They might just look to trade back and and pick up more picks. But even even if they do that, they have to get somebody else in there besides Jared Goff. You can't well, keep trotting that out. That's exactly it. And like you look around and. I believe the Lions are going to have two. Do the Lions have two first round picks? I believe they do. I was going to say, I believe they do as well because the Jared Goff trade. So, right. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a swing at a quarterback in the late 20s with the Rams pick. Um, hopefully that pick is 32. Um, you know, as a Rams fan, I'm hoping that's 32. But right. obviously, probably, you know, who knows? But I think they take a swing at a quarterback with that second pick. I think they. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions make a Lions pick and take Aiden Hutchinson, you know, oh, the hometown kid, going to rebuild the Lions. That's going to be the narrative. Um, I can pretty much just chalk that up. So you have to look, and it's like they need wide receivers as well. And it's like I don't even know where to start with that roster. You normally start with the offensive lines, but when you don't have the quarterback, when you have literally no weapons – and you have a running back who's who's good, but a small back who gets dinged up a lot. I, I don't really know what to do. Yeah, it it's it's just so ugly across the board. It's like where do you like, start? It, it'll be interesting to see what they how they value you know positional positional values and how they want to build it out and where they want to start. Because yeah, it's it's pretty ugly across the board. The hard part is that you can't really build a team around a quarterback, but. I'm not sure there's a quarterback that if the Lions draft, people are going to be excited about. Sure. Like Kenny Pickett, you know, 23rd overall. Like, are you really like buying tickets to go to watch to that? No. No. I, that's the thing is, and you have to go through a list. Aaron Rodgers ain't coming in there. Deshaun Watson ain't coming in there. Um. Baker Mayfield. I mean, like that could be a legitimate right. option. I mean, I just don't think Baker returns next year. So maybe he's a free agent. You know, maybe they make that work. Who knows? But I just think that they're in such a tough spot. And I don't even know how we got onto the Lions. Well, it, from the Vikings, right, guys. the Lions this weekend. But it, I mean, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. We could we could keep going way down. It's actually kind of fascinating to talk about. That was really depressing. Like that felt like purgatory. 
It was. Let's uh, let's get back on. Some, well, we actually have another kind of negative note, but after that, we'll get on some positive Rams talk. But let's first hit the Titans. Obviously, AJ Brown went on IR. They're already down. Derrick Henry and Julio Jones has been on IR. What are we expecting with this offense outside of AJ Brown? And then for fantasy managers that have him and are expecting a return in the fantasy playoffs, what can they expect from AJ Brown at that point? Um, well, I think the first thing you have to do is talk about Julio um, because we know Derrick Henry's not walking through that door anytime soon. And then the next closest guy who would be making his return is Julio. And I believe he's able to come back after the bye, um, which would be week 14. Um or did, no, it'll be week fifteen for the playoffs. Because Are you, you talking for Brown games. or for Julio? For Julio, when was Julio officially? Was that last game his third game, or was it the Jacksonville game his third game? Because he's the first player to return, so he's the first guy you're going to want to target. Um, and he's been fine when he's out there; he just hasn't been out there. Um, you know, week two was his best week. He had 18.8 weeks, and he was healthy, and then that's when he got dinged up, and he hasn't been the same since. Um, yeah, so he was placed on IR on the 13th, which was uh, just before week 10. So, so he, he can return, yes. He can return, yeah. But okay, yeah. So he's right back after the bye next week. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. That's good news. I think that helps this offense some because Tannehill's struggling. But I guess you who wouldn't be struggling when his wide receivers are literally guys who are signed off the practice squad right. in the streets a couple weeks ago. Um, his number one wide receiver is Westbrook Nick Akine or whatever his name is, and um, that's not a you know what I mean. Like that's not like somebody you want to go after a twenty four year old kid. Um, who's been doing fine his past two weeks, 17.7 and 10.5. But when Julio comes back, you would have to think that he comes in and takes the target share, and then A.J. Brown becomes the guy when he returns. Um, and at running back, I think it's they, – they're clearly going to use two or three guys um, between Foreman, Hillard. Um there might be another one, but I don't know. But the point is that it's going to be a flex guy, and it's going to be, like, bi-weekly. Like, you're not going to know really which guy to start, and you're just kind of hoping that he has the big game. Um, because both, you know, Foreman and Hillard seem to split it pretty evenly, um, the work, and they both had similar put output. They did, and then – I think Jeremy McNichols missed due to a concussion, but he'll be back yeah. as well. So that's the problem is there's three right. just a guy running backs. When we say Jags, that's what we mean, just a guy. Three Jags. Um so it's gross. It's a committee. They're struggling. And they're missing all their top talent. Who wouldn't be? Uh I just don't know how, what they can do to improve. But if you look, Ryan Tannehill is still not doing bad for fantasy. Um Last week and the week before was really, really gross. But he's still the QB 13 on the year. Um, I don't really know how that's even possible. Yeah, I don't, I'm don't. i actually really surprised to hear that. Is he actually thir- QB 13? That's crazy. Yeah, and wow. six point. I don't know what he is in four, but I assume it's the same. Um, 
things they're, they're let's put it this way there's got to be brighter days ahead yeah but there are better days ahead the sunshine's coming you're weathering the storm whatever cliche you want to put out there i think let's call that a wrap the last thing on Tannehill, he had in the games after they lost henry he had four rushing touchdowns in five games so he's a mobile guy too and and or you know a little underrated mobility and and he he can he does some work around the goal line in terms of rushing so he's definitely a viable option but you're definitely like you said kind of just weathering the storm uh, as far as AJ Brown man I don't know I'm not even really confident when he does come back that he's going to post big numbers love the guy but I just don't have a lot of faith in this offense right now um, he has a lot of bust games and people don't want to talk games. about it um, you know, this this year alone, he's got six games under 10 PPR points. Yeah, and he'll be – so he's eligible because they have the bye coming up, right? So he'll need three more weeks. After. So he's not even eligible to come back until, what, like the semifinals of the playoffs? Yeah, uh, week 16. 16, so. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. He's been, yet again, a huge fantasy bust. Um He's fun to watch, and he's a dynamic player, but he's not really on the field very much, and he's always dinged. Yeah, you never know when he, like, what is it? Like, he just went on IR, but up I saw a report. He was on the injury report week two every week up until he went on IR. Yep, and his injury, I mean, it was, what, chest, rib, hand, like, it's a variety of things. It's not. There's just certain things. players who seem to be prone and, you know, like Christian McCaffrey, just in the wrong place, in the wrong time, gets his freaking ankle rolled up on and he's out for the year. Like stupid stuff. Dalvin Cook gets obliterated in the backfield. Well, that's more of a defensive play. But you get my point. It's like there are certain players like A.G. Brown who just happen to be in the wrong place, the wrong time. Like Saquon Barkley's ankle when that got rolled up on. Nothing he could have done about that. Yeah, I will say uh, more specifically with wide receivers, but there are some players who have that injury-prone tag early in their careers, and then they shed it later on. I don't know if it's just kind of adjusting to the NFL, you know, physicality, but there's some guys like I was thinking of Keenan Allen. You know, he's a guy who everybody thought he was injury-prone, and then, you know, as he was in the league after, you know, a few years, he kind of got his body right and and adapted a little bit and – kind of shed that injury prone tag so that's always possible too but but i think you're right it's it's been a struggle thus far with injuries so why don't we get on to some more positive stuff uh pick up the spirits around here with the rams offense i know that's Ooh. your team sam and uh i love i love safford i love love watching this team the rams got my boy uh von miller so i'm definitely pulling for them and and they lost against the Packers this past week, but the wide receiver usage was really interesting. We had 10 targets for Cup and Odell, nine for Van Jefferson. Each of them cleared 80 yards. Um, Van had just three catches, but 93 yards and a touchdown. Cup went seven for 96, no touchdown, but Odell went five for 81 with a touchdown in that big play, that 54-yarder. So what did you make of this really the first stint uh, without Robert Woods with Odell kind of more integrated in the game plan. I think you have to be optimistic. Um, he ran a route on 98% of dropbacks this week. Um, 
and the Rams ran or he ran a row on 88% of dropbacks this week, and the Rams ran 11 personnel 98% this week, which is the most they've ever run it. Um, week one, you like to see nine targets, I'll tell you that. Um, he looks good. Um, I think you have to start with Matt Stafford, and I mean, I, I guess I'm disappointed we're not winning more games right now, but we've got you know the Jaguars coming up at home, so hopefully we just you know get right. Um, he's QB five on the year. I mean, he's been great for fantasy, but it's not really been much of a question. Um, Darrell Henderson's been gross and it looks like Sony Michelle keeps getting more and just a little bit more work. And then apparently Darrell Henderson's hurt right now. Um, he's got that quad injury. I haven't heard if he's going to be out, but I heard that, you know, they're monitoring him. So take that for whatever. Um, and then the wide receivers, I, I think Cooper Cup still remains an elite wide receiver one, and I think the other two will be wide receiver twos, um, probably dependent on the week. I mean, I think OBJ is the much better talent than Van Jefferson, so I think he's probably the guy you want, but it all depends on price tag, really. Yeah, it does, and Jefferson's been a big play guy. I'm a little – I don't know. Are you concerned about Stafford at all? He's got two turnovers in each of – or wait – how many turnovers? He's got, He's got six yeah, in the three two games. turnovers. Two turnovers in each of the last three games. Six total in his last three games. That's and that's something he wasn't doing early in the year. He wasn't turning it over. Um. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit worried, and I say that because I mean, he's, you know, he he's hurt. He, we don't know how hurt. He's still playing and playing, I guess, decently. But you would like to see him not make those mistakes. It just seems like. It seems like this year he knows that everybody's watching him, so he's aiming his throws and just not playing loose. You know, like on the big primetime games, like he's tensing up, and it's like that's not who he is. He just needs to relax and let it rip. You know, like this week I wouldn't be surprised if he throws 450 and five because it's, you know, against the Jags nobody's going to be watching. But I, you have to be worried because it's those big games that we brought him in to win, and he's not winning them. You know, like, it, it, it's not all on him that we lost that game, obviously. I mean, defense gave up a shit ton of points, and he, he gave them, you know, six, or Stafford gave them six, but I think you have to be worried. It's just he's still going to sling it enough to be an elite fantasy option, right. and that's all you really care about is that Rams team is so pass-heavy that he's always going to be at least above 30 attempts, so that's fantasy volume right there. Yeah, exactly. And then right now, and like that's all we care about in this podcast is fantasy production. So I don't see that changing. Right, I agree with you. He's go- he's going to put up the fantasy. I mean, he hit a snag in weeks nine and ten, sort of. But outside of that, he's been pretty much a lock for twenty plus points, or or at least you know a few games at nineteen. But yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty much money for fantasy in this offense. And yeah, he's the QB five, and he's already had his buy. You know, like Jalen Hurts right. hasn't had his bye yet, and he's way up there. After his bye, he's going to drop quite a bit. You know, like Matt Stafford, for example, has already had his bye, and he's still a top five. It's just the fantasy production is elite. You got to love it. Um, I, as a Rams fan, I want more. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm trying to not say too much, I guess. 
Yeah, no, that's fine. We don't have to go down that hole, but I think, like like we said, in terms of fantasy, Stafford's fine, and I think Odell probably provides a boost, even from what Robert Woods did. I, I like Robert Woods, but Odell's is more explosive, and we saw that 56-yarder. Just getting some of those big chunk plays downfield, I think, is is going to help Stafford in this offense a lot in terms of fantasy production and, you know, eventually just game script and, and on the field as well. But I think you have to value, like you said, Cup, still an elite wide receiver one. I think Odell, probably like a low-end wide receiver two, Van, like a high-end wide receiver three, but they're definitely kind of both in that same range and sort of interchangeable. Uh, and then, I don't know. I mean, what do you think of Higby? He's a guy who I've I always thought he was a bit overvalued. I've not been a, a huge fan of his his talent overall, and it seems like he'll have, you know, a few games with splash plays. I mean, he's over 10 points weeks nine and 10. And then last week he caught one pass for three yards. And that's kind of just seems like who he is to me. Yeah. And- he's it's matchup dependent. Um, the Packers were really good against tight ends. I think he's a streaming option. You know, if there's a team that's really bad against tight ends, that's kind of where you start him. Um, you know, he's the starting tight end. He doesn't really have any competition for the position. Um, and he's out there all the time. It just he doesn't always get the looks. So I, you know, I think there will be better days ahead. But you can kind of predict when those happen, I guess, um, based upon matchup. Yep, like, absolutely. He's not a very good player, and you know Jacob Harris was drafted to you know eventually play tight end, but he's hurt. So maybe next year. But you know, for now, it's Higby and only Higby. Yep, I'm with you there. Um, if if Henderson does miss time, you got to think Sony's a, a high end wide, a high end RB two in this offense. But that's kind of where each of those running backs sit, I think, right now. Well, yeah, and Henderson hasn't looked very good lately. Like I know he's playing hurt, but this looks like he's kind of like slowed down a little bit, maybe gassed or something, but. Yeah, I think I don't know. I'm hoping Sony Michelle gets more of an opportunity solely for my fantasy team. But well, I think Henderson is also one of those guys we talk about just getting dinged up a lot. And I think you're kind of seeing the wear and tear and just the slowdown of him handling a full workload. And uh, I think it should be a good reminder hey, go get Cam Akers, right? All right, um. Let's get on to our dynasty risers and fallers. Just wanted to do this for uh, the listeners just because we are two thirds of the way through the season. So I know we did this earlier in the year, probably roughly a third of the way through the season. So we want to do it two thirds of the way through the season, kind of keep it free flowing here. We don't have like, you know, an exact list we're going to run off of, but we can, uh, just kind of talk about some guys that we see that fall into these categories. So let's start with QB risers. I'm just going to tell you the guy who I think is a recent riser is, is Carson Wentz. Um, some of the concerns still exist. He is another guy who gets banged up a lot, but I've been kind of writing about him in the weekly reviews way back Uh you know, since early in the season, since he started to get a little bit healthier and, and, you know, even if you're not sold on him as an NFL quarterback, I really liked him as a QB two, kind of a high end QB two. And I mean, he's 
he's producing, you know, 20 points last week in a tough matchup against the Bucks, And uh, this offense seems to be kind of clicking at the right time. And, and he's a guy that I think is rising up boards a little bit. Would you agree with that, Sam? Oh, absolutely. I think he looks great. And I think that it's clear that the Colts are on their way to a great side of their deal. Um, yep. You can't say they won the deal because we don't know who the Eagles are going to draft. We don't know the draft pick's going to be. Um, so with that, I mean, like the assumption, it's going to be in the second round. Um, well, no, no, no. Carson Wentz is it's seventy five percent of snaps, so it's going to be in the first round. But I think you have to be excited. Um, I know living here in Indiana, people are pretty excited about Carson Wentz. Looks good. Um, he's really adapted the you know the city, um, and he's definitely rising. I think it's clear that he's the guy there and, and isn't going anywhere until Andrew Luck comes back next year. And then Andrew Luck will kick him out <laughs> and then I will celebrate and then we will move on with our lives. There you go. Let's just leave it at that. Shall we? Uh, do you have, I, yeah, another? I do have a riser and, okay. and I don't, I don't want to be a horse that has been beat too much on this show. And I apologize for doing this. But I believe the biggest riser in quarterbacks has to be Jalen Hurts. Yep. If 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 you have watched this season, I I was critical coming in the season, and the first part of the season he looked bad, and I was like, oh shit, here we go. And over the past, you know, this last week was really bad. I mean, we're not going to talk about this past week. I mean, like, it is not going to help anybody. It was a bad game. I hope he picks it up, throws it in the trash. Um. But if he comes out and has another performance like that, then I may have to re- recant these words. But I think over the past month, month and a half, he's developed. He looks patient. His footwork looks, for the most part, pretty decent. And he's delivering the ball where it needs to be. He's making plays. And he's clearly an elite fantasy option most weeks. Um, everybody has a bad game. Just assume that that was his bad game. Don't overreact like Twitter. I think Jalen Hurts has answered a lot of questions this year. Um, he's starting to get praise, you know, from people who didn't want to give it to him. Um, I don't really think it has to be that hard, really. I mean, Jalen Hurts looks like the guy who's who's he's going to be the starter next year in Philadelphia, I think, without any hesitation. Um, right. You know, unless like Deshaun Watson changes his mind and goes for like a first and a second and then maybe they'll have that conversation but i doubt it like i think the point is jalen hurts has proven himself at least for another year he looks good and i mean i don't really think there's anything else to say about that really would you disagree i mean no i i totally agree he's a guy i invested a lot in this year i know you didn't because if you're in leagues with matt matt already had him i'm echoing again (laughs) But that's that's true. That's fact. All right, but um, is there another wait, Mac Jones? On. I mean, Mac Jones. That? Okay, He's... I think that's better. So oh. I was echoing again, but yeah, no, just with Hertz. Yeah, I I invested in him some, but I I didn't have. I believed in him to an extent, but he's. I don't know. I'm sold. So yeah, we, I guess I don't have a lot to add, but Mac Jones. I want to add one. another quarterback. Um, and it has to be Mac Jones. Yeah. Uh, it's clear he's the guy and he's not going anywhere for the next 10 to 15 years. And I, if you're people on Twitter are still take locking this and, Oh, he's not a good fantasy producer and yada, yada, yada. 
The dude can play quarterback at a very high level and is a rookie slicing and dicing. He threw for 300 yards on Sunday, and nobody's talking about it. You know, there's not enough. If, if any other rookie quarterback came out and threw for 300 yards, it'd be blasted all over Twitter. For sure. But, but since it's Mac Jones, nobody cares. Uh, because, you know, they didn't like him, and they take locked, and they whiffed, and, you know, it is what it is, but he he's clearly a guy. I mean, I don't know what else to say. If And the best part is, is he was basically a second-round pick. Um, I got him in my the second round in my two-QB league, in my main league, and I'm ecstatic. I mean, I was disappointed in the draft because I wanted Rashad Bateman, and he got taken right before me. And then it was Mac Jones and then like all of the, you know, the B tier players that have clearly turned out to be busts like Terrace Marshall and those guys. I took Mac and I know for the next 10 to 15 years, I've got a guy who I can start, you know, and rely on. And I think that that is clearly the definition of a riser is somebody you can build around. You can build around Mac Jones and dynasty and feel pretty good about it because he's not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I will admit I was wrong on him. I don't have any shares, and I, I've been wrong on him. He, but he reminds me of a guy that I have been really high on, which is Kirk Cousins. He reminds me of that. I think he's going to be that, you know, solid, if not high-end QB2 for many, many years. I think he'll be Kirk Cousins without the fucking boneheaded Kirk Cousins mistakes. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like Kirk Cousins has always been a really good quarterback, but he's been mauled by like taking a knee instead of spiking the ball at halftime or yeah. lining up under the right guard. Like, <laughs> you know, he does. It's hit with him. It's stupid little mistakes that have always held him back from the big wins. Like, I'll never forget when he kneeled the ball instead of spiking it to go into half for so they could kick the field goal. Like, he cost yeah. himself three points and they lost by two. I'll never forget that. Like. That is Kirk Cousins, a really good football player, but somebody who makes boneheaded mistakes. And I think that's who Matt Jones is, but is obsessed with football, has Bill Belichick, and doesn't make those mistakes. Yep. It feels like a perfect match there, so I'm with you on that. Um, In terms of fallers, I don't think there's many outside of the obvious ones. We talked about Ryan Tannehill a little bit. Like, he's got to be a faller. And then you look at obvious, like, Sam Darnold, uh, Baker Mayfield, and then Zach Wilson. The guys Zach who look Wilson. like they don't look like they can play. Daniel yeah. Jones looks like shit. Um, yeah. I think Taylor Heineke is a riser. Um, obviously, sure. I have a lot of connections in Washington, and he he's got a couple more weeks, and they like him. I mean, if they get to, if he gets into the playoffs, he's not going anywhere. So I'm gonna tell you on that one, but um, yeah, yeah, I mean. I think the quarterback room or the quarterback situation league is kind of like simpled out like how we would have assumed. There's a few guys I'm a little shocked on. Like Sam Darnold looked really good at the start and then just collapsed. Um, You know, other than that, not a whole lot of other action. I guess, you know, you could say Russ, right? Russ looked pretty bad last night. Yeah, he looks pathetic. Still dealing with the injury, but. Man, he was considered. You can like give him the excuse of the injury. He looked bad before the injury. Yeah. Like, why are we? Why? I know he was good. I know he's been good for a decade, and I know he's like a Hall of Famer, but he has not been good this year at all. And he's like, oh, the past three weeks. Like, no, he's been bad all year. 
Yeah, um, he really has. DK Metcalf was open a lot last night. There's that picture of him circle around the internet, wide open in the back of the end zone, waving his hands, and Russ is that's where Russ throws in the interception. Like, I think he's been a clear, clear woof. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the offseason with him and and if he can kind of resurrect his value next year in a new place. But, um, yeah, let's let's move on to running backs. I'll let you start this one off. I know you you've got at least one riser. You want? Yeah, and I feel like I'm gonna do two, and they're both rookies. Um, one of them was my guy, Michael Carter. Um, the first weekend without him, um, it was clear that I missed him. <laughs> and Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman got out snapped by that uh, gun to my head. I couldn't even tell you the kid's name. Um, some third or fourth string running back was the guy this past week without Michael Carter. Um, so that only to me solidified, oh, yeah, Mike's the guy there. Um, Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson got out snapped by him. Um, and he had the rushing touchdown. Um, and he was the lead back without Michael Carter. So that was somebody you know what he had ever heard of. And I still can't even think his name. His name is Austin. Austin Walter, but yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't have. Known oh, I never heard of him. Like I've, I've, yeah. I'm a, I was a legit NFL scout, and I've never heard of this kid. <laughs> so I have no idea. Like he comes out of nowhere and is the guy this past weekend. So to me, it says Mike's the guy. Like they missed Mike, and they were trying to like fill the void without him. And then the other one is obviously Elijah Mitchell. I mean, it doesn't appear he's going anywhere, and yeah. he was free. And now he's a top 15 dynasty running back, or arguably. Yep. And even so. when people were spending all their fab on him, there were guys mocking that on Twitter saying, imagine spending all your fab on Elijah Mitchell. And, I mean, look at it now. People still thought Trey Sermon and Jeff Wilson and these guys were going to take the job, and not even close, man, Mitchell. And he's been used a little more in the passing game, which was a concern of mine, but he's – I mean, he looks great. He looks like a, a perfect fit for the Shanahan offense, and I think it's, you know, he's he's basically going to be Raheem Mostert in that offense. Is Mostert out for the year? He is, and then he's a free agent. Oh. So, I mean. So he's never going to play again. No. Well, at least not with the Niners, but I well, probably, I mean, he's yeah, going to but... battle for a roster spot elsewhere too, I'm sure. But I've always wondered how hard that is as an NFL player to know, like, my replacement's out there balling, and I'm on the bench, and I don't have a contract. Yeah, and I've seen him on the sideline in street clothes, and I'm like, man, that's weird because you're not, <laughs> you know, you're cheering for this team. You're you're definitely not going to be back, and you're just watching your replacement. Yeah, but um, a couple guys I will highlight for risers. One is Antonio Gibson because, and he probably would have been a faller not too long ago, but I think he's looked really good the past two weeks, and I think it's it's become evident that that injury was certainly lingering and he's starting to get past that. And I think we're seeing some of the flashes and you got to remember, you know, they, they might resign JD McKissick, but he is a free agent. And I just think Gibson has looked really, really good uh, these past few weeks. So I think he's somebody that's worth investing in that's going up. Um, you gave your rookie Elijah Mitchell. Mine was obviously Javante Williams. I, said it before i never felt like better or more strongly about a prospect and man he's he looks so good. good he's so good so good and then uh the last one i'll mention is tony pollard i just think he's looked pretty good and we're kind of getting to that time where 
you know, the Cowboys are trying to manage Zeke's workload. And I'm not saying that they're going to dump Zeke this offseason, but I think Pollard is looking good and, and they're going to find ways to utilize him going forward. And last week, you know, to be fair, he looked really good last week, but that was without Lamb and Cooper. So certainly different when all those guys are on the field. I'm not saying just rush out and buy Tony Pollard, but he's a guy that I've I've moved up a little bit. But really, Gibson and Williams are the two that that stand out to me. I thought Zeke looked bad this past weekend. Didn't he only have like 25 rushing yards or something? He or did, was that... yeah. Yeah. I, I think my thing is, is I think they're trying. I wouldn't be surprised if the people in the building in Dallas are like, oh, maybe Tony Ballard is currently better. And maybe right. we need to figure out how to make him the starter. Maybe by saying, oh, we'll manage Zeke's workload. He's injured. Oh, but he's yeah. practicing in full today. Like I just yeah. think maybe they're like, oh, maybe Tony's the guy. Yeah, he looks more dynamic. Point. He looks good. He, yeah, he really does. It's it's night and day how different he looks uh, compared to Zeke. So that's well, a good point. I have another riser, and yeah. ironically, I have it. I I play Warzone with him occasionally, and I have his teammate's jersey right there. But it's Leonard oh. Fournette. Um, yep. Dude's like the RB five on the year. Um, Obviously, that four touchdown game really, really, really helped pad the stats. But he's a workhorse, and I think the most important thing to note is Giovanni Bernard, who was brought in to be the third down roll pass catching guy, played zero offensive snaps last week and was only on special teams, and it was all Leonard Fournette. Yep, I wrote about that in the in the weekly review. That was that's why I read it. Yep. There yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if you're not subscribed to the Patreon. Those are some fun facts you can get. There. I mean, like that is like quite the nugget. Like I'm getting ready to drop Giovanni Bernard in my main league. Like I thought he was going to be a viable, you know, PPR flex option. Yeah. Nope. I did too. That meat. You know what? I'll drop him right. There you go. Drop it. Giovanni. Getting a player dropped live on the show. I um, cut him, and my apparently my league liked it so much that it froze my computer. I don't know. There you go. That's weird that my internet crashed the exact second I cut Giovanni Bernard. <laughs> it was like, wait, are you sure about that? <laughs> like, seriously, like, he was fine early in the season. He had a few, like, weeks where he was a nice flex guy. Like, week three, he had 20 points. And week uh, eight, he had 10 points. And, you know, week nine, he had 10 points. And then <clears throat> literally had zero offensive snaps on Sunday. So. Wild. He's a, He's definitely a... Oh, faller too. Yeah, and so I got a couple fallers real quick. I would say Aaron Jones and Zach Moss. Uh, I mean, I I I stayed as far away from that Bills backfield as I could, but uh, Aaron Jones is a guy that I wasn't necessarily looking to invest in this year. Kind of saw it coming a little bit, but the injuries and everything. Uh, I just think I don't know. It just looks like I mean. Because AJ Dillon's usage had been increasing regardless of the injury, so I think, I think Aaron Rodgers has fallen in love with Aaron D- AJ Dillon, yeah. and I say that because I was watching the Pat McAfee show today. Today, I don't know why I said today twice. Um, in the way he talks about AJ Dillon, he loves him. He he like talks about him like he's a schoolgirl crush, and he talks about all the things he wants to do with him on the field and yada yada yada. And, he looks good. I think AJ Dillon's a clear riser, and you just mentioned Zach Moss in the, the backfield. He's a clear decliner, but the winner in that backfield is going to be Matt Breida. He looks good. Yep. You know, I put a tweet out. I was like, you know, early 
you know, late this summer, like in June, and I was like, hey, Matt Brito, worth a shot in every league. And here he is late in the season, coming around right when you need him most. He's clearly the most dynamic guy. He can catch the ball, and he can get that corner faster than anybody. So I'm excited to see what he does in the next coming weeks. Um, I think that's kind of all of the running backs, really. Yeah, I think so. That's a that's a good call on Brita. He he offers something that they they just don't have there. So um, let's. Uh, how about wide receivers? You got uh, any specific risers there? Uh, yeah, I've got a riser. And too bad Matt's not here because this is like a Matt show. Uh, my my riser is Pittman. It looks good. I mean, he's the guy in Indiana. Um, he's on pace for a well over a thousand yard season and 80 receptions, a handful of touchdowns. I think he's on pace to have eight. Um, he's going to finish as a wide receiver one and Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere. Michael Pittman's only getting better. You figure that one out. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably the, the clear, the clear cut, the clear cut riser the most. I mean, I talked about it on the show. He was going as like wide receiver 44, 45 before the season. I mean, that's in. That was way too low, no matter what. But he's, for a guy who was drafted thirty third overall in the NFL draft, like it just wild to me. Like the narratives that were stirred up, and you know, yeah, he's had three quote unquote down weeks with twelve, four, and nine, but he's still the wide receiver sixteen on the year. Yeah, and those weeks, I mean, most every wide receiver had. I mean, that's the only thing keeping him from being like like really like a, an elite wide receiver one. I mean, but the production you're getting is... Well, see, but it's the same thing as like Jamar Chase's past three or four games, eight, 13, and seven. So players right. have bad stretches. Some guys get cold, and you just hope they turn it up in the playoffs, except for your opponents, because you don't want your opponents to turn up. That is true. Um, the guy, the, the riser for me, I'm going to say Jalen Waddle. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. He looks, he looks really good, and... We talked about him on the show a little while back, and I, in fact, even when Matt and I did our our rookie sophomore draft, I I didn't even draft him, and he's a guy I've liked, but and I knew this would come eventually, but earlier on this year, his A dot was so low, man. They just were not using him downfield. They, I mean, Perset couldn't throw the ball downfield. Everything was short, but he was seeing tons of targets. Now you're starting to see that breakthrough and and hitting him over the top a little more. He had. Nine for 137 and a score on 10 targets Sunday. I mean, I just think he's he's obviously taking over, you know, this offense and and he's going to be the focal point. He's just so explosive. So he's a guy I'm probably my biggest riser over, you know, at least the the middle portion of this season. So uh, another one I think that's worth mentioning is Darnell Mooney. I mean, we talked about him on the show a little bit and. I don't think we were really sold on him, but he looks good, man. And he, he's definitely, you know, uh, Allen Robinson's on the way out. We know that, but Mooney's kind of solidified himself as, as a guy there, whether he's, you know, the number one there long-term, I don't know, but he solidified a role for himself there for sure. And, and uh, you know, he's looked good in terms of fallers. I think you got to go. I mean, I'm not too worried about DK Metcalf long-term, but he's fallen a little in the short term. Obviously guys like, you know, Calvin Ridley, but he's, he's dealing with some stuff and, and props to him for getting that taken care of. But he's one, uh, I would say Corey Davis is another one that 
you know, is kind of we see Elijah Moore, maybe Elijah Moore is a riser too, but we kind of see Corey Davis, you know, slowing down in that offense and and he's been banged up and just hasn't really done much. So some guys like that, I think, I don't know. Do you have a. I've uh, got a, actually a, a sneaky, sneaky riser that okay. I tried tweeting about a little bit and, and people don't seem to care. Um, since week six, he's been the wide receiver 13. He's the wide receiver 24 on the year. And. His past three games, he's had 23, 9, 24. Any guesses? I'll give you uh, a hint. You ain't going to guess. It's not, it's not, I'm thinking like Kendrick Bourne. Or just oh, that's exactly who it is. Is it? Okay, yeah. the reason I knew that, the reason I guessed that is because, and I'll have to find it, I think I tweeted before the season or wrote about it. It might have even been on our Sleeper podcast. I mentioned him as a sleeper. I really liked him as a player, just wasn't sure about this offense. But, uh, yeah, that was a good guess. I can't guess, believe right? you guessed that. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. He is a clear riser. He's a clear dude. He is a wide receiver 24 on the year, wide receiver 13 over the past two months, and is putting up 20-point games in the past couple weeks. That's some good numbers right there. It is. And, and like he's attached said, to Mac Jones, and they gave him a contract. Yep, that they did. And he's he's a big play guy. He's I mean, I thought he was pretty talented when he was in San Francisco, just never really got, got to do he it. He was there. buried. Some flashes, but, yeah, he was buried. And so I think I'm – I'll plant my flag here. I think I was the only guy out there calling Kendrick Bourne as, like, a, a potential, like, uh, you know, interesting sleeper. But he's – I mean, Jacoby Myers is still kind of allergic to the end zone. Bourne is you know it's wild. He would all receiver, yeah. I'm looking at Kendrick Bourne's stats right now. One, three, four. He's only he's been of all the times he's been targeted this year, only seven incompletions. Wow, that's that's, that's wild. That is wild. In the past, you know, since he's taken that stretch, since he's been the you know, wide receiver 13, his targets a game, 7, 4, 4, 4, 6, 7. Decent volume, too. And he's producing. Yeah, he is. And he's still only 15% rostered in ESPN leagues. That's wild. I mean, the guy, the guy's a good player. Um, one more quick faller for me would be Cortland Sutton. Um, oh, yeah. Judy's kind of taken over the number one role, but there isn't really even a number one. And they re-signed Tim Patrick and and Sutton. So he's going to be in that crowded offense. You know, maybe they go out and get Aaron Rodgers or something this offseason, and then all those guys are boosted. But he's still, you know, one of – I mean, really him and Tim Patrick are kind of the I same feel, player right now, which is I crazy. feel like that has to be part of the plan. They didn't re-sign those guys next to each other like – Day after day by accident. I think those two took a play cut, or I think I think they worked out together where they kind of both took modest deals with the anticipation, hey, we may be bringing in number 12 this offseason or number yeah. four down in Houston. You know, I think yep. they're playing the long-term game. I think Teddy's been okay. Um, but it's not what you want for fantasy. I mean, Noah Fant has not been very good lately because of, you know, the stuff either. I mean, he's getting some volume, but – like 12 yards with three receptions doesn't do much. 
Yep. I think George Payton told those guys, you you want to resign here. We want to lock you guys up. And that's going to be our pitch to Aaron Rodgers and say, you know, we've got all these guys locked up for the next three plus years. Come join us. So yeah. I'm with you. Um, let's get into tight ends then. Since you mentioned Fant, he's definitely uh, kind of been a faller. I think in terms of risers, you probably got to look at Dalton Schultz, right? I mean, he's a guy. And then Pat Fryermuth. I think those are two guys who've, really risen up um i've got some wanna, both of them and been really happy i'm gonna add another sleeper um who's since robert tunyon's injury has been the tight end and he's been he's been getting more snaps slowly every week josiah deguar they drafted in the third round um he's the starting tight end and since robert tunyon has gone out he has not posted a goose egg He's posted over double-digit points once, which, I mean, he's a streaming tight end right now who has, you know, as he's getting more work, is becoming a more viable and viable option. Um, he's not great. Tight ends aren't very great very often, but I'm debating starting him over Noah Fant. Well, actually, no, I'm not because he's on bye, so I guess I'm starting Noah Fant this week. But that's kind of where you are is with him. Is He's another streaming option since Robert Tunyon went down. Um, Josiah DeGuara has been playing more. Um, it's been him getting the more snaps slowly every week. Um, Mercedes Lewis still gets some um, of the snaps, but it's mainly Josiah. Um, and I'm pulling it up right now. Um, every week since Robert Tunyon's went out, he's gotten up snaps 19 to 25 to 32 to 46 to 56. So Josiah DeGuar was drafting a third round last year. He was the third round pick. People forget that. And yeah. He's starting to starting to click. Um, Rogers seems to like him, so maybe he's somebody you go stash right now and see what happens. Because you know he's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's a good call. He's a good one. Another one I want to mention who's kind of hit a rough snag the last couple weeks, but another guy I mentioned as a sleeper countless times, especially when he changed teams, and that's Dan Arnold. Uh, the usage was incredible up until the last two weeks i'm not exactly sure what happened uh the last two weeks but he he might have gotten banged up this past week but he threw a dud out there in week 11 and but until then i mean you just go look at his you know eight targets five targets ten targets seven targets seven targets above you know 10 fantasy points every week he's and he's he's only 26 i think and he's really athletic a guy that switched from wide receiver which takes some time obviously so uh i think he's a guy that that might stick around there in jacksonville and and be their their tight end for a while yeah, so they went and traded for him too so that means something. right i got another one um gerald everett he's we talked yeah. about since Russell Wilson has returned, Gerald Everett leads that team in targets with 20, and Tyler Lockett is next with 16, um, or is it 18? But the point is, since then, um, 14, 7, 14. Gerald Everett's been a fine streaming tight end. He's getting more and more work. He looks good. Um, he was somebody I was high on coming into the year. I thought he was going to fit that offense perfectly. Uh, the problem is the offense sucks. I didn't see that coming. Right. Um, I thought, you know, the the new McVeigh protege learning under him was ready to, you know, take a new state string of the offense. And, and that's why I thought, you know, Everett would be a good streaming tight end. That's why I thought Russell's going to be my QB one. And, you know, whew, 
boy, was I wrong on the Seahawks offense. It looked like shit. But yep. at least Gerald Everett looks okay. Yeah, I think you and I were both in on Gerald Everett, and he's yeah. starting to hit his I do know Matt and I disagreed about him. Matt liked, I believe, Colby Parkinson. But, yeah. I mean, both are fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think Gerald Everett is, like, the, you know, the more dynamic receiving guy who's probably right. the better option for fantasy. And uh, I'm just hoping that they can figure out the offense. A quick two more real quick. Uh, Cole Komet's kind of hitting his stride and, and carving out a nice role there. And then I think David Njoku, who's a guy I've always loved his talent. I've been really high on him. He's starting to play really well for Cleveland, and he's going to be a free agent. I don't. I kind of hope they don't re-sign him there because I would like to see him go somewhere where he can be featured in a pass-first offense. But he's uh, he's been playing well, and I think – you know, sometimes it takes tight ends three, four, five years, and he's he's about at that point where we might start to see him break out and, and sign a big deal this offseason for an offense that will really utilize him. So he's a guy I'm trying to get in Dynasty as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go anywhere on a cheaper deal. It seems like things have smoothed out. I, you know, I hope he gets his opportunity because he's one of my favorite people. He's freaking hilarious. I've never been around a guy who's more funny than David Njoku. Really? Fun fact. Yeah, he's just fucking nice. hilarious. He just – that was my first – like, he, he came in the league, like, when he was a rookie, like, he ran like Bambi. Like, he was just so, like, raw. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and he, like, goofed off about everything. And it's been nice to see him kind of develop into a nice player. And, um, you know, I'm a sucker for some of the Browns guys that I know. And I hope him – you know, I, I, I would love for him to, like, become, like, a monster somewhere. But – yeah. I know he likes Cleveland, and I wouldn't be surprised if he returned, but you know, maybe that depended on who's throwing him the ball next year because I think people are just kind of getting tired of Baker. Yeah, I agree with that. What about um, fallers? You got any other fallers or any fallers, I should say? I Kyle think- Pitts. I mean, until until Calvin Ridley comes back, you can't really play Kyle Pitts with confidence. That's true. Um, uh I would throw uh, – I mean, Darren Waller's been somewhat disappointing, but he's not a faller. Like, yeah. he's still been pretty good for the most part. You know, he's hurt now, but he, I don't think he's going anywhere. So I'm not too worried about him. What about Dallas Goddard, a guy who's kind of struggled to take the next step? But Well, I don't – the problem with anywhere. that is it's not him. It's the offense because that sure. Eagles offense is best when they throw the ball about 20 to 25 times a game. And there's nothing that the receivers can do about the minimal volume. Like, that's why, like, you know, Quez Watkins, better player than he is a fantasy asset because they don't throw the ball a lot. Like, I think Dallas Goddard's fine. Um, I think you start him most weeks because you don't have better options, um, probably. But I'm not, I wouldn't say he's a faller because he just got the contract. He's a, clearly a player. It looks like he's got his franchise quarterback. Um, just the problem is volume. You know, they, they don't throw the ball a lot. They're predicated on running the ball. You know, it's they want J- Jalen to drive the car, make a few plays, and not make any mistakes. And when he does that, they win football games. And he looks good. So I don't see that changing. I just think um, some weeks Dallas Goddard will have better weeks than others. I think we got to pay attention to the matchups on that because, you know, who, who's good against tight ends, who's not? And then you start him. It's kind of how you got to do it, really, I think. Yep, I agree with that. The last faller I will throw out is Johnny Smith. I thought he was going to be utilized a little more and, and kind of more of a go-to guy than Henry. 
seems that Henry's the preferred option, at least around the yeah, goal line. Yeah, you have to talk about him as a riser. Um, yeah, he's had two bad yeah. weeks with, you know, four and three. But before that, you know, he'd been a decent streaming option. He catches a lot of touch touchdowns. So, you know, there's no better plot, spot to put him than tight end and hope he catches a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. All right. Any last um, risers, fallers, hot takes before we get out of here, Sam? I think uh, we covered a lot today. Yeah, we covered a lot. It's a longer episode, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Um, thank you all for being here. Um, remember, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Uh, I do write a weekly review every week. comes out on Monday. We mentioned it on the show today. Sam got a nice little you know, stat from it, a little nugget from it. So you guys might too. So go sign up on the Patreon and join us on the podcast next week where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.